Hi, everyone. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stephen Tager. Welcome to Revival Podcast. It's called Revival because that's such a good word. And it talks about our intention, which is like, man, let's talk about things that will just like bring out a hallelujah from me. This is a good news brand podcast. And we want to talk about good news and we want to spread good news. The world needs more of it. And the best news is Jesus. And so we're, uh, we talk about him a lot and, um, general conference talks that talk about him. And anyways, we're so happy you're here. The word revival is awesome. Do you remember when you asked me to be on the podcast? This is what you said. You said, I want you to think about, you know, think about it if you want to be, but you absolutely cannot change the title. You didn't even tell me what the title was before. And when you heard it. It's really awesome. It's told really you, great. Told you. Yeah. Revival. All right, y'all. As we're going through these conference talks, there's one announcement I want to make, which is if you don't know about these conference journals, the Good News brand has conference journals that are, uh, they're just, they have so many different kinds for different ki- kinds of note takers. But go over to Good News Brand Co., goodnewsbrandco.com, something. You just Google it. You're going to find it, y'all. It's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> or just find it through the Instagram. But these workbooks are on sale right now. They always sell out. So we're telling you about it. It's just a way to elevate the weekend, have a chance to write down some of the promises, invitations, impressions that you have, and just sort of keep them in a keepsake place for you. So those are available right now. Go check those out. And uh, today we're doing um, Miss Sister. I want to go Miss Bonnie Blue. That's what I just like. Her name is so cute that it just makes me want to go there. But Sister Bonnie Corden's talk. Um, Did I tell you she Saturday walked, morning? She walked into my religion class this past semester to evaluate you. <laughs> she said, "I've heard some things. I need to make sure." No, she was talking about um, FSY, and she just walked in. Oh, to announce said, it? Yeah, it said, "Hey, we need counselors." It was really fun. Oh, that's you know, super fun. Great. That's so fun. Yeah, it was cool. I, this talk is so sweet. It starts with the sweetest um, little thing. But, oh, you were going to say your your story first. I forgot. So I had a buddy. He was, uh, try to keep this very general. He was stepping away from faith. He decided mm. to do that. Um, we actually knew each other fairly well. And I told him, I said, you know, there are actually pretty good reasons why you could have faith in God and the Savior and his, and the Savior's work in these latter days of the restoration, that kind of thing at least. And he asked me this question. He said, yeah, I, I'm not even sure how anyone would even, uh, like how would you even know if something like that is true? And and I said, no, there's there's good reasons. I, I, he said something like that. I can't remember exactly. And and then he said, well, let's let's sit down, let's go to lunch, and let's talk about this. Let's start with this. How would I even know if I know? Like how, what would, how would I know if I know the church is true? And I think a lot of young people and other people are really struggling with that and trying to work through that is how do I even know if there is a God? What would be the evidence for that? Do I just believe without any good reason? Yeah. In fact, I've, I've heard people, um, I heard this on a podcast, people going around asking people on the streets in a big city, what's faith? And people say faith means to believe without evidence. And I'm not interested in that. If that's yeah, if, me neither. Like that doesn't seem like oh, that I could just pick anything arbitrarily and just say I'm going to believe that my parents taught me or whatever. Yeah. Right? In fact, I, I recently have this line going through my head that the opposite of faith isn't doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. Hmm. Do you think that's true? 
It depends. I mean, you on, think about okay, yeah, but anyway, oh, yeah, no de- answer. Well, yeah. it just depends on what you mean by certainty and how does someone know if they know. Yeah. And okay, but I have this question: Where you go? Oh, I can't. I no, interrupted I'm, you I'm twice, good. but no, I no. want to. Is that new? Is that is that question? How do I know if I know? Is it like a product of well, r- our culture right now? Did somebody ask that two hundred uh, years ago, or you know? Yeah, absolutely. And this is where the nerdy side of me. I knew there was a nerdy part to this. And that's why I wanted to. I've never wondered that before. But one thing that you've actually taught me really, really well to do in my life is, is to analyze some of my beliefs and to see where some of them actually stem from the culture that I'm in. Like there are some things that I feel really passionately about. And you've gotten me to think like, oh, I bet if I lived 200 years ago, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't think so passionately about this. Sure. There is like this, we're all drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, <laughs> of the culture that we live in. You can't help but be impacted by it. And part of the culture is not, you know, just Taylor Swift, but part of the culture is like the underlying beliefs of, you know. Right. Like, so I, so t- be nerdy for us about well, th- that. And philosophy, this is called epistemology. It's how do we know if we know in the... In the st- <laughs> Sound like a bad word to me. But go ahead. <laughs> and it's just the study of knowledge and how we know and what does it mean to know, that kind of thing. And people have been doing this for thousands of years. What does it mean to know? And that's what you just said a second ago. That's not just history, but the history of thought is so important is I understand what, when did certain intellectual ideas appear and where did they come from and how did they influence my culture? And that's very liberating just to know what the genealogy is behind certain ideas. But regardless, um, Sister Cardinal, she's going to start off with a story that's going to lead us into the, that's going to help us answer this question, how do I know if I know? Oh, this story at the beginning, and it's, yes. so, it's, so, it's so cute. And it's this. She, but hold on, I have to back up and just make sure I understand what you're saying about that question. Okay. So is the question new? How do I know if I know? No. Or is there a or is there a new like is there a today's version of this method of knowing is more important yes, than that's others? What's yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, so what happened okay. since the Enlightenment, uh rationality and the scientific method have grown and we see different forms of basically those two things kind of pop up and go and be emphasized. And nowadays people think they can't know something independent of those. Or, or, or sometimes, let me say that again. So in our day, sometimes people think the only way you can know something is through rationality or through the scientific method. Hmm. And what the restoration wants to say is those things are very important and don't throw those out, but there's other kinds of knowing. In fact, we use other kinds of knowing all of the time. Right. Uh, for, in testimony meeting, right? Or just, or just like I take it on authority that there's a place called Mongolia. I've yeah. never, I've never been there before. Uh, okay, right? but I just trust. So I Wikipedia. trust. Uh, yeah, some right. sort of like right globe you, expert. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I and I you know and I could say like, I mean, if you want to be super skeptical about everything, I could say, well, I don't know unless I've been there. But then, how do I know that my brain's not just in a vat, right? Like, and someone's you know, pushing the right buttons to make me think I'm in Mongolia, right, or whatever it is. And so people can be really extreme, but um, regardless, in this talk, she's going to help us to know how do we know, okay. right, and spiritually uh, that's cool. speaking. That's super cool. So, okay. She, okay, so here's the story that's so cute. She talks about being in a meeting and being called out by a phone call from her dad, and he had just been diagnosed with um, Parkinson's or ALS, and um, 
and just talked about that my mind will stay alert, but my body's going to shut down. And then as part of that conversation, almost like it was like a, you know, uh, it turned really sweet and it turned into a dad moment because of that. Um, just how awful of a diagnosis that was, but he just says, Bonnie, never give up an opportunity to testify of Christ. And she's going to give a definition to what she thought her dad meant there. But that's even intriguing um, bit of like advice to her. I, I, like, I want to know more about like, wait, why did you go there? But she says this, um, that one, she was like, I knew it meant tell people about Jesus, share my belief about him everywhere you go. But then she, she said this, Bonnie, don't let the world overtake you. This is her translation of what that means, that always testify. Stay true to your covenants with the Savior. Seek to experience his blessings every day and be able to testify through the Holy Ghost of his power and presence in your life. And that expansion of it, there's just a couple things in there that are... One, we talked about this last week a little bit, that seek to experience his blessings every day. I'm so intrigued by that line. Number one, that you are able to experience it. And it's almost like the availability of his blessings never changes. Mm. But it's like you can actually experience them. And I think there's even, I would clarify and say like, you don't earn his blessings, but you can experience them. There are some things you can do and put yourself in position to experience those blessings and his power and his presence, yeah. you know, uh, in your life. Otherwise it's not relationship. Right. If we don't, if we're not seeking for it, asking for it, putting ourselves in position, then God is just forcing us into a relationship. He loves and blesses all of his children. But if, if we want to experience his love more and more, we have to learn how to uh, live in relationship with him. He doesn't love us less. We just experience it more. And we've talked about that before. Right. But what she's saying here is so powerful because it starts to really help us get uh, an answer to that question. How can I know if we know? Later on in the talk, she says, these Nephites, speaking of the Nephites who you know, felt the prince in the Savior's hands and feet, these Nephites eagerly went forward to thrust their hands into his side and feel the prince of the nails in his hands and feet so they could witness for themselves that this was the Christ. Now, that this is a really powerful, powerful example. And to, that they come to know for themselves through their own experience that the, the Savior really was the crucified one. She says, when Christ physically visited the Nephites at their temple, his invitation was not to stand at a distance and look upon him, but to touch him, to feel for themselves the reality of the Savior of humankind. Hmm. And so for Latter-day Saints... At the heart of coming to know spiritual truths is for us to interact with the divine itself. Mm -hmm. I, I, as soon as I was talking to my buddy who I was telling you about earlier, who I said, how do I know if I know? I called one of my uh, friends at, at, in the religion department. He's a brilliant, faithful Latter-day Saint. His name is Joseph Spencer. And he's a philosopher and he's just completely loyal to the church. And he, he studies the Book of Mormon more than maybe anyone on the planet. I said, Joe, how do I know if I know? How, what, what do I say? And he, and he just said the most profound thing. He just said, it's actually kind of simple. Um, he's, he, you know, it's sort of like dating. Like when you date someone, you kind of interact with them, you talk with them, you spend time with them. 
You sort of see where it leads you to see if it's right and good mm-hmm. and true. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's like, it's the same thing with God. And the, what I would add to that is God is not the kind of being that you discover from a distance. Yeah. You can't, you can't find him through a telescope or a microscope or, you know, rationality, but you actually have to interact with him before you start to really see if it's true. This is one of my favorite parts of the first vision is that, uh, story is that Satan, the Lucifer was not scared when Joseph was talking about religion, when he was talking about the Bible, when he was learning all of those Mm. different ideas, Mm. when did he show up? It's when God, uh, when Joseph tried to interact with God, yeah, because that's when the witness would come when he actually reached out to him. Yeah. Um, she has a line in here somewhere about that. Oh, you, you were almost there. Where he just says, when Christ physically visited the Nephites at their temple, his invitation was not to stand at a distance and look upon him, but to touch and feel for themselves the reality of the Savior of mankind. And then she gives this promise that I would say is kind of fulfilling her dad's invitation to her. She just says, we can experience his power every day as much as we need. There have been a handful of people in the history of the world who were able to stand in physical proximity to Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth and then resurrected savior of the world. And I think those are important events in like, as like catalysts for our faith, right? That I like, he's a someone, like someone lived next door to him and someone felt the prince at the tomb. And you know, there's a, that, kind of almost like propelled. I have someone's story to believe about it, but his promise when he left was, you actually want me to go, hmm. right? He said there in the, that last supper meeting, it's expedient that I go so that you can have experience me through the Holy Spirit, right? you know, which has a little bit of like, <laughs> I don't understand exactly how that works. And I actually would have disagreed with him when he was like, would you rather have me right next to you or the Holy Ghost in your heart? And I'd be like, uh, well, <laughs> no offense to the Holy Ghost. But, you know, like I would just say, like, oh, I want you right next to me, that, you know, experience there. And he just actually, you know, promises him and says, this, this, this will be just as real. It'll be just as like, you'll walk away from experiences with the Holy Spirit. And it's as if you were in, it's as, as if you were on the steps of, Oh. The Bountiful Temple yeah. in Third Nephi 11. And I love that so much. And especially because not everyone is going to have these like very obvious visual experiences, right? But there are ways to have experience with the divine in such a way that we start to pick up on what is from God and what is not. I saw this documentary and it had um, a man who he was Japanese and he made Japanese homes and like from hand and he was an incredible craftsman. And what he would, he, he talked about how he could actually look at trees and de- like just by looking at the tree, determine if it was like going to be good for the home, like a good piece of like wood that would, then he could add to the home. Right. Yeah. And when I see trees, like, I, I don't like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like yeah. I don't have that skill set, Right. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, and, and people have been, have noticed this for thousands of years is that the more you develop a skill in a certain area, the more you see in that area. So a football player, when they're actually in the pocket and they've gotten good at playing football, they actually can read what the DBs are doing and what the linebackers are doing. And they, they'll say for a quarterback, the game slows down. Hmm. 
And so because spirituality isn't a realm that's outside of what science can test, right? I mean, we don't throw out science. We use it for the stuff of this world. But because spirituality is a stuff of another world, then we have to develop a new skill set for discerning mm. what that is. And watch what a sister Cardone says about this. She says, there is power in making... I think it's Corden. You just made her French for a second. But Corden, I think that's sorry. fancy. My, 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 that's fancy. <laughs> forgive me, Sister Corden. Sister Cordon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry about that, Sister Corden. Okay. There is power in making these holy habits less of a checklist and more of a witness. She's speaking of the normal habits that are a part of discipleship. The process will be gradual, but we will grow with daily active participation and purposeful experiences with Christ. As we consistently act on his teaching, we gain a testimony of him. We build a relationship with him and our mm. Heavenly Father. Mm. We begin to become like them. And I'll just skip ahead. She says, we want to create muscle memory of discipleship and testimony that will bring into focus our reliance on our Savior each day. And so as we have these purposeful experiences with God, then we start to be able to discern what is good, what is right. We start to become more like God, and we develop the skill set behind discipleship. Yeah, and it's almost as if, I mean, if you talk to, if you talk to a quarterback and say, hey, try and describe what that skill set is, I think he would have a really difficult time doing that. Right. Like, I don't think he knows... <laughs> necessarily right. how he knows how to do that. You know, he's just like, I've just done it rep after rep after rep after rep. I can sense it. I can like, you, like I I know when the ball's at a certain angle as it gets snapped. I just, like he just knows all of those things. I think anybody who has any sort of developed skill set, it's really difficult to, I mean, I've been, a, you and I are both teachers. We've been teachers for a long time. And sometimes people ask both of us, hey, how do I become a better teacher? And it's just like, oh, I, you know what? I, there are certain principles and patterns that I could teach you, but uh, you have to be in the classroom hour after hour after hour after hour after hour. You know how how do you like measure whether like a room is like losing it? You know, but right. a teacher can sense that where they're just like, oh, the energy has gone down in this room, and I did not look at my room energy meter, you know, <laughs> that was like sitting on my desk and like say like, oh, hold on. Or like, no one's getting this. Like, how could, oh, it's like, what do you look for when it's like, it clicks in somebody and you're like, it's a twinkle of their eye. Like, I, yeah. I have no yeah. idea how you could measure that other than I've watched eyes again and again and again and again, right? And it's like just that same sort of concept where it's an invitation into, man, come into discipleship. There are patterns of discipleship that you can live out, but like you'll begin to know in a way that will be difficult, I think, to explain to somebody how I know. And the thing is, is like God's not a truth. He's a person, hmm. right? He's not a theory right. and he's not like a, the end of a math equation. He's a human, like he's a, an exalted human being, you know? And so like, what are the rules of relationship? You know, like, there's just like, can you, like, I can't, someone's like, how much do you love Jenny? I'm just like, uh, I don't like, what's the measurement? Yeah. Like what's, it's not grams. It's not pounds. It's not, you know, it's like, but it's there and it's actual and it's experienced, you know? Love is a great example of how certain kind of maps in the modern world begin to fall short. It's like, it's really difficult to try to measure love, right? Scientifically, rationally. In fact, it seems to go, I mean, really against those things sometimes. Like this is irrational, but I'm just 
you know, crazy in love with you, right? Right. And so, or, or whatever it is. And so th- that's, as we develop that skill set, we start to discern realities that we couldn't see before. Uh, Sister Corden says, look for Christ everywhere. I promise he is there. True joy rests on our willingness to come closer to Christ and witness for ourselves. And so um, rules work really good for beginners. When you're learning to drive, I'm drawing on a, a thinker named uh, Hubert Dreyfus. He says, when, you, when you're learning to drive, you need rules. But at a certain point, you start to break away from the rules and you start to now live more based on experience, hmm. a sense judgment. Hmm. In fact, if you were to tell like uh, really good athletes or musicians or anyone who has a ver- really high skill set to start going back to uh, rules uh, in a certain way, it would actually be very limiting. Hmm. Now, the basics are always there, right? Sure, sure. But it becomes an art. Right. It becomes just a. But it just becomes its a own sense. language. Right. Its they own, call it flow, right? Yeah. Like, or Jordan, they said in the 90s, was in the zone, right? Right. And you just kind of sense what needs to happen. And a, a reality that is there, that is true, right. becomes obvious that you right. just couldn't see before. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing about it. If someone were to ask you, you said earlier, I can't even remember if you were quoting someone or yourself or whatever, where you're just like, as you kind of walk down this certain road, you start to, you start to experience things and you start to feel things and you start to, you know, to know things in there. And I just want to, and and it ends up being good. That's a phrase that you, you said, Mm -hmm. and it would just be like, I, I just feel like as I, seek to experience relationship with the father and the son and the holy spirit like it's just good like i i almost want to say like i love in that alma 32 where alma's like do you want to do an experiment you know and he almost gives like little patterns but you remember he says like yeah he says try it out and he just says do you want to see if it's a true seed or a good seed and then it's interesting because he drops the word true he was like i actually don't want to talk about true anymore i just want to see if it's good and like live this out and see if it just doesn't like blossom in you, like things that are good. See if it doesn't expand your soul. See if you don't start thinking differently because of it. And you can look back and say like, oh, I know that is, I know that's good. And so I want more of it. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And what the good does is it, it then leads to further and more enlightened truths in the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. And so, and I want to say this, someone might say, oh, I, I, anything that religion offers, I can get just in a general goodness. And I want to say, mm, no. And, and I want to be nice and kind and respectful of people. But when I look at someone as a literal child of God, I see them differently, right? Yeah. Or if I see creation as, yeah, I believe, I fully accept science and all its implications. But if I also see creation as something made by uh, our Father in heaven, it's like, oh, I, I see the world differently. And then the way I respond and react and the skills I develop actually help me get through and cope and make sense and flourish in this world in a much more powerful, loving, effective way. Faith gives us the skills to live a life of love and truth uh, better than anything else. And I, and, and me as someone who accepts the restoration, I would say, and the restoration does it the best. Yeah. Right. It gives us the best lens to develop the right skills. Yeah. She has this line in the very last paragraph where she just said this, he has made eternal life a possibility and a reality for us all. And that word eternal life, you know, just that becoming alive toward God and toward people, like to live life, like to have a life flourishing in your soul. That's a possibility 
because of him. And her promise was this, scripturally, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ. And then she says, my hope and prayer is that that will become a normal and natural experience for us right now. And it, and it can be. I love that. The pattern of Jesus of Nazareth is that he comes into our world. He breaks into our world. He came into our world and died for us on the cross. And he comes into our world now through the presence of his Holy Spirit. Yeah. When we reach out, sorry, let me, let me say that better. When we respond to his reaching out to us, we'll start to discern his hand and spirit and guidance in our lives. And then we can say like, oh, I know. I know. I've experienced it. I've experienced it. Yeah. Absolutely. So good. All right. See you next week. 